Toastmasters is a kind of a, a public speaking club. That's the best way to describe it. They get together typically once a week or every other week. They'll meet throughout the day. You'll have people from business owners to pastors to people that work in the political arena to even people that, that just want to be able to get up and speak in front of people and connect with other like-minded people in that sense. And their purpose is to get you comfortable with public speaking or speeches. And that is primarily their focus. There isn't so much a Bible focus, although I do know of a, a person who got me involved in it is actually a pastor. And he was trying to improve in his speaking ability and, if you will, the technical side of speaking. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 291. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. The voice that you've just heard is that of our guest for this week. Nick Harvey is the young adults leader at Calvary Chapel Santa Maria on the beautiful central coast of California. And in this conversation, we speak about some lessons that he has learned through the Toastmasters organization, which is a secular public speaking club or society. While the goals of Toastmasters and the goals of Christian preaching uh, might be different, there's a great deal of overlap in communication skills and even down to the very practical questions such as, what on earth am I supposed to do with my hands? Uh, Nick and I have a great conversation. I hope that it benefits you in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. Uh, Nick also has some great on-the-ground practical advice about bivocational ministry. I know that a lot of the listeners to this show are co-vocational, bivocational, part-time, whatever you want to call it. I know that time management and cascading responsibilities is a characteristic in a lot of your lives. And so I hope that Nick can not just help you with knowing what to do with your hands, but also managing the limited hours that we have in every day. Well, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Crossway Publishers. Here's a book that I want you to know about. Uh, this is by Jonathan Lehman, and the book is entitled Authority. How Godly Rule Protects the Vulnerable, Strengthens Communities, and Promotes Human Flourishing. Uh, listen, we all know that there are multiplied examples of authority gone wrong in families and corporations and governments, and sad to say, even or particularly in churches and religious organizations. So in this book, Jonathan Lehman shows that authority done biblically is, is not just good, but actually is essential to human flourishing. So he uses scripture and firsthand stories and lays out for us five attributes of positive authority and then warns against the sinfulness that corrupts potentially good and right leadership. So there's a link in the show notes that will bring you to crossway.org where you can order your copy of Authority, 
how godly rule protects the vulnerable, strengthens communities, and promotes human flourishing by Jonathan Lehman. Well, okay. Well, without further ado, I present to you my conversation with Nick Harvey. All right. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. Excited to be speaking with Nick Harvey. Nick, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. Thanks. Great to be here. Super early for you, isn't it? It is. Yeah. The sun's not even up yet. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, I appreciate the sun. Well, here's, here's the real question. Have you done Wordle yet? How early are we talking? <laughs> I, I was, you know what? I, I, I'm, I've been working on it since probably about 4 a.m. So, you know, it's, I'm too... I'm on number four right now. It's it's a tough one today. Is it a tough one today? <laughs> it, it it is a tough one today. It's not like yesterday's. So, <laughs> well, for the listeners, uh, Nick and I and some others were in a a Wordle group chat, and um, or as uh, uh, Tim Chaddick calls it, uh, Nerdle. <laughs> yeah, Nerdle. Uh, I think going to stick for the rest of the. <laughs> yeah, I think it's ages. pretty cool. So anyway, we're up early. Haven't finished your Wordle. Um, but we're going to talk to you about uh, preaching the word, preaching the wordle. Yeah. Hey, so you are currently, yeah, the Young Adults Leader at Calvary Chapel Santa Maria. Uh, we've had uh, Pastor Connor on the show a couple times. Uh, Pastor Michael was here as well. We're glad to get you as well. I actually interviewed Pastor Paul and that recording didn't turn out. So we're going to have to oh, no. complete the trifecta and, and get him. But uh, Nick, what was your first sermon? Uh, first time teaching the Bible. Where was that? How'd that go? Oh gosh, it's been a long time now. Uh, I, years ago, we were doing a Monday night study at Calvary Chapel Oxnard and I was asked to preach and I I, I don't remember what it was on. Couldn't tell you. I do remember that we had a number of people there and it was just one of those messages, like, let's just dive in and share what God's put on my heart. And we did. And I had a few people come up to me afterwards and say, man, that was great. I'm like, well, I thought I really sucked. So, you know, it was, it was really, it was really a, a, a life-changing sort of moment as for an actual sermon. As for my first time, realistically speaking in front of people, I had worked for a motivational company right out of high school, traveling the United States, um, going to high schools and junior highs, showing a multimedia production. And then this was more of a don't do drugs type thing. Don't drink and drive. Don't do those things. But then we had the opportunity to go into churches and share an evangelistic message and um, usually be a five minute talk. But there were times it'd be go, it would go a little bit longer, but that was probably about 25 years ago that I did that. And then of course my Monday night message. So, yeah. Okay. Wow. How did you get um, pulled into, okay. So many things. Um, it was a life-changing, <laughs> that first sermon, you said it was, a, it was a life-changing moment, but it might not have yeah. been a life-changing sermon. So it, it was changing, life-changing for you. Uh, and maybe yes. it came out well, maybe it, maybe it didn't. Um, in what, what, in what way was it life-changing? I guess when you finished, how did you, how did you feel? As, as most people who speak in front of people will tell you, the first couple of times that you do it can be terrifying. And it was terrifying. I, in getting up, I was able to just share God's word. The study of it is, I think, what was the life-changing part. It was the diving in and, and really 
beginning to see and fulfill the calling that I felt that God had placed on my life as a Bible teacher and Bible preacher. So that's yeah. where the life-changing part came from. Yeah. And then also, I'd like to hear a little bit more about this um, this motivational speaking or this um, Don't Do Drugs tour that you were you were doing. How did you get involved in that? When I was in high school and the internet was in its infancy, <laughs> so I'm dating myself, actually it was out of high school. So I'd, I'd gotten out of high school. A buddy of mine had gotten a job through this Christian job website. And I grew up in Washington state and felt like I wanted to travel a little bit or get out of the state. Found a, this company, which was based out of Southern California. And uh, they traveled around in, in, in vans. And so basically they, they still, they're still around and, they uh, go into schools and they set up these this, the screens and in the midst of setting up these screens, it's all digitized now. Back when I did it, it was a, a film projector and slides and it was set to the modern music of the time. And it was it was little stories and snippets to really engage the students in, you know, this is what happens when you drink and drive. This is what happens when you get into drugs. It was, of course, kind of the tail end of sort of the the the. the the dare program and, and the don't do drugs and all of that. The mad, I think was, we were really involved with uh, mothers against drunk driving and, and dare. Hey, when I was in high school, uh, we had one of those groups come and they, they like staged a car accident at our school. They had a smashed up car that they, they yeah. dropped off on a, on a tow truck, like in the center of our, you know, quad area. And yeah. throughout the day, they'd um, have like this like Grim Reaper character that would come into classrooms and then point at somebody and then take them out to kind of symbolize yeah. like the number of, of, of deaths that took place uh, due to, to drunk driving. Did you do yeah, that? Because yeah. that was a little bit traumatic, buddy. <laughs> you know, we did. It, and I, I was never one of the students that got pulled out, but it was always right around the time of prom. And, you know, you you would get... You would you would see those students and they would leave and they get to go hang out for the day and do whatever and you're still stuck in class like well this is dumb like what I don't want to be in class however um, it it is in a, in a way it's kind of impactful and on the unfortunate side is is students would still go out and drink and drive sure. but um, hopefully someday um, you know we can change that and maybe not but you know it was yeah they we I didn't do any shows where they had the car actually there. If they did, I didn't know about it. We were so busy with setting up and, and getting ready, playing the show and then talking to the kids after. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fascinating. Back to our main subject. <laughs> so preaching is the subject of our conversation. We've, yes, we've covered Wordle, we've covered drunk driving, and then now back <laughs> to the, the main, the main thrust. Um, so that early sermon that you did, you benefited from the preparation process. Um, and hopefully people benefited a little bit from the, the, the delivery of it. I guess the, the question is, that was a long time ago. So Nick, how have you improved since then? Or what's the, what's the work that you've put in to um, get better uh, year on year as a Bible teacher and communicator? Since then, there's been a, a lot of just preaching. And the more that you do it, the, there was um, a study done that it, that they say it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert in something. Hmm. And I think we've, you've actually talked about it on the show with a guest. And it is one of these things that 
as you practice and the more that you practice and the more that you begin to see yourself and have people give you feedback or evaluation, you begin to improve. And over the years, there's been periods where I've taken a break from preaching and due to either work or life change or what have you. And um, in the midst of those breaks, um, you know, I might not have been doing it very much, but I was doing other things. I spent six years working in politics as, if you will, a lobbyist. And as a part of that, I had to get up and speak in front of city councils, in front of county supervisors, up at events. And it still is that practice of public speaking, which is what preaching is, just in a different way. In doing that, I found a group called Toastmasters that really works on public speaking. Their focus is motivational speaking, not so much preaching, although there are aspects that we use as preachers that come from Toastmasters. And it's your delivery, speed, pacing, time. Can, using connector words in, in your messages or in, in your speech, how you address an audience, things of that nature. Okay. And I'd love to talk more about that Toastmasters. Um, this is an organization that I've heard of. Our um, Expositors Collective, we have a private Facebook group, and this actually has come up in our discussion groups over the years. Somebody asked about who has taken Toastmasters courses, and a lot of people, myself included, had thought about it but we actually haven't haven't taken the step and and done it. So could you maybe explain to us Nick like first off a little bit more about um uh, what what it is and then why preachers should consider availing of it. Toastmasters is a kind of a, a public speaking club. That's the best way to describe it. They get together typically once a week or every other week. They'll meet throughout the day. You'll have people from business owners to pastors to people that work in the political arena to even people that that just want to be able to get up and speak in front of people and connect with other like-minded people in that sense. And their purpose is to get you comfortable with public speaking or speeches. And that is primarily their focus. There isn't so much a Bible focus, although I do know of a, a the person who got me involved in it is actually a pastor and he was trying to improve in his speaking ability. And if you will, the technical side of speaking. Okay. And what are the, uh, yeah, I guess just so you know, I have two goals on this. <laughs> Number one, okay. I'd like to hear about like, what are the, what are the ways that that can improve um, our teaching and preaching ministries? And even the pastor who brought you there, he obviously benefited from it and wanted you to, to get in on this. And like, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that we can learn and grow from the Toastmasters organization. But but then in a little bit, I want to talk about like, what are the limitations of it? Like what, what is, uh, what can they not teach us? Um, how, how as a Christian preacher, uh, what, what goes beyond what Toastmasters can offer? So just so you know, so let's, let's talk about the pros. What are all the great things? How have you benefited from Toastmasters? The benefits I've received is it realistically, it's in the technical side. Mm -hmm. So, and I've just done it. I used a connector word. So is considered a connector word rather than a pregnant pause or, you know, some of the other benefits is I talk with my hands a lot. And I know that this won't be on video, but I, I <laughs> use my hands 
all the time. I, can I don't know if it's, this. it's yes, correct. <laughs> and learning to make your movements, whether it's with your hands or uh, one of the other things that I do is I I tend to 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 pace while I while I'm preaching and I'll move around. And so everything that you're doing needs to have purpose. So if you're using your hands all the time and they're consistently moving, when you're making a point in your sermon, your hands should realistically, they should stop moving because your audience or your congregation is going to see that. And it's, it might not register up front, but it's subconsciously registered in their head of, oh, he's making an important point. Or if you're walking around on your stage, you know, or even a, a, a a gym floor, whatever it is, your audience is watching you kind of walk back and forth behind your pulpit or your, your music stand or your table or whatever you use. And when you stop to make your point, hmm. it, it, it gives them pause and they have to, they, they realize that they have to, this is a time that I should listen, even though they may not directly see that they're going to subconsciously see that there's a number of other things. As I mentioned, the connector words, a lot of it is just delivery, learning to look at your audience and you, whether it's five people, 15 people, 500, or even 5,000 people, which I think is easier than five people, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're looking at them directly and, and, and that you might be only looking at one person, but that group of 10 people that's sitting around them thinks that you're looking at all of them. And then the, for me, realistically, the final thing is just being comfortable in front of people. Being comfortable as you're speaking to your congregation, whether it's it's children, junior high and high school, college age, or even older than college age, up through uh, um, you know an elderly ministry or something of that nature. So it really it 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 it's building that that muscle and of that that technical muscle when it comes to preaching. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, of those, what was the easiest for you to add to your repertoire and then what was the hardest? The easiest part to add to my repertoire would have been the the pregnant pauses. So removing the connector words from my language. The hardest part is that knowing what to do with my hands. Yeah. Okay. And too often we don't know what to do with our hands. And I see it all the time with preachers. They'll stick their hands in their pockets. They will hug or grab their pulpit and that, that will be their 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 comfort. I know of a guy that does not like preaching or singing or doing any of that unless he has a microphone in front of his face. And it's it's a comfort thing because it creates, even though it's it's not a real barrier, it does sort yeah. of create a, okay, I'm, I have this little bit of a barrier. It gives me a little bit more pause or a little bit more comfort. Okay. So in summary, so you were saying the easiest thing for you to do was to add those pauses, right? Yeah. And the hardest thing was to use your hands deliberately rather than frenetically constantly. Correct. Yeah. To, to use my hands with purpose. And if I'm not using them for anything, I don't need to hold them. I don't need to put them in my pockets. Just leave them at my side. <laughs> yes. Okay. So that's, that's excellent. I'm wondering from your, again, experience at Toastmasters, which is in probably put these things in your brain forever. Um, what right. are the sort of things that you notice on the technical side of things that uh, maybe young and new Bible teachers or even older and more experienced uh, keep coming back to? Like, what are the mistakes that you see now that you can't unsee? Some of those mistakes realistically are are the the, the movement aspect. Pastors 
tend to be really, and, and, and Bible teachers tend to be really good because we have a, um, a guide in our Bible. You know, we have something that we're reading. Most of us, not all, most of us will have either a script or some sort of notes or an outline that we're going by. So we have, we have a, a roadmap in our preaching. So a lot of it really boils down to knowing what to do with our hands. Um, I was watching a guy uh, who asked me to give him sort of a, an evaluation and he kept touching his wedding ring mm. and playing with his wedding ring. Mm. And mm. I, it was over and over and over again throughout his 45 minute message. And I was like, Hey, next time you go preach, try not to touch your hands together or touch your wedding ring. And it just is a subconscious thing. It's probably something he does while he's at home or watching a movie or hanging out with his wife, or even just in an everyday conversation. We tend to bring those things into our Sunday messages or our Wednesday or whenever we're preaching. Yeah. I used to take my wedding ring off and on again, uh, which is super (laughs) distracting. But in the, in the early days, especially on we did kind of a Wednesday night, which is more of a interactive thing. Yeah, yeah. I just take it off, put it on, take it off, put it on. And um, you know how I fixed that, Nick? You took it off permanently. No, I got fat. <laughs> <laughs> I got I, I got chubbier fingers. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So I just it, I just don't wear one. So okay, okay. Anything for the ministry, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So those are some of the things, yeah, that that you've noticed, you've observed, you're trying to put the work in uh, for yourself. And we'll have a link in the show notes of like, you know, even the Toastmasters organization, because like what I'm going to say next, I, I don't want to take away anything from that. Those are all like proficiencies right. and skills and competencies. Um, there's things that we can and should be putting the work in. Um, but I, I'd love to talk with you about like, what are the things that you can't learn at Toastmasters? Um, what's, or in other words, like what's the role of like God, the spirit in, in our preaching and teaching ministries? Toastmasters, while it is a wonderful organization, you just, you, you really hit the nail on the head there. The one thing they cannot teach you is our reliance on the Holy spirit without the Holy spirit we're nothing as preachers. We, we cannot do it. And while God has gifted us with this wonderful and amazing gift, and we have the beautiful and amazing abilities to go out there and do things and spending that time being technical, most of us, hopefully all of us will realize that without our reliance on the Holy spirit, we're nothing you know, I was recently studying, I think we may have been talking about it a few weeks ago. The apostle Peter in his, his first sermon he gave after Pentecost in Acts chapter two, there's a, it says that Peter got up and spoke boldly to the group, the crowd. He couldn't have done that without the Holy Spirit. And from what we see of Peter and what we know of Peter, Peter was very bold when he was in his boldness as uh, uh, just without the Holy Spirit, he often went off the rails and Jesus had to correct him and bring him back in. And then, of course, when he denied Jesus, he went and wept bitterly. Jesus restored him. And what we see after the the appointment of Matthias is, is the 12th apostle, he comes back and he gets up. They've received the Holy Spirit and he goes out and he speaks boldly and many people are saved. And that's the thing that it doesn't matter how technical you are. 
without the Holy Spirit, you're just a motivational speaker. Sure. Yeah. 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 Acts 2.14. Yeah. Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and proclaimed to them, you know, fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain to you and pay attention to my words. Yeah. So again, use, using skill, he's proclaiming, he is speaking right. loudly. He's using, you know, the, the tools that are available to him, but there is like a, like a power and a weightiness that goes beyond his rhetorical ability or even his competencies that brings, I guess, the results that human skill is unable to to offer on its own. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it, it's one of these, we're actually going through in our young adults group, we're actually going through the book of Acts. And somebody had said it, it may have been um, our, our, uh, former now retired senior pastor, Pastor Paul Barry, had said that the book of Acts, as we know it as the Acts of the Apostles, it really should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And I wholeheartedly agree with that because without the Holy Spirit, the early church would have never started. Peter would have never been able to get up and give that sermon. And he would have never been able to proclaim loudly the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, which is why we all do what we do. Yeah. 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 So. Essentially, kind of the question is like, is merging these two topics together, like, what is it that we're bringing to the table? And then what is it that the Spirit's bringing to the table? And how can we be putting our our side of the, the equation? We do our work, but we know that the Spirit needs to do His work. Like, how can we seek after that anointing? How can we, yeah, enlist the help or request the help of the Holy Spirit? A lot of it, I, I would even go back to Acts chapter one, when, you know, the, the disciples were told to go sit and wait in Jerusalem, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And for me, it's, it's about seeking the Holy Spirit. Each time I'm going to either preach or even sit down to study for a message, I need the Holy Spirit to guide me and to lead me. And then as I'm getting into my message, I need the Holy Spirit to speak through me. Not set me aside, but speak through me to use me as as that microphone to proclaim the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And so does that mean like in Acts chapter one, are you waiting in an upper room and not leaving until something takes place? Um, what does that waiting for power from on high? What does that look like for for Nick Harvey? It is in a lot of ways, it's it is similar to Acts chapter one. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to trust the timing of the Holy Spirit. We have to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon, uh, come upon. I, I, well, not even we, I have to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon me and empower me for the work of the ministry. And it's something that I share all the time with whether I'm preaching to youth or young adults or even adults is they're all, Pastor Chuck used to say it all the time. You all are, you all are ministers of the gospel. Go minister. And you don't have to be a Bible teacher to be able to go and share the gospel. It's just in everyday life. And that's why I said five people, because I could be at a gas station and Holy Spirit comes upon me, go share with them the gospel. Yeah. And it could be on a, a Friday night at, a, at another young adults ministry, or even on a on a Thursday night at our young adults ministry, or even if it, if it ever comes about on a Sunday at church, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon me and to give me that power that I need when I need it to be able to proclaim the gospel. Yeah. 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 Amen. Amen. Again, we, we do what we do, but we know that we're, yeah, we're able to motivate 
but motivation apart from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is is temporary at best. Now, right? Yeah. Uh, here, here's a question: like you've you've spoken, like you've talked about how earlier in your life you literally were a motivational speaker. You li- that's literally Correct. what your job was. Right. And then now you're saying you don't want to be <laughs> a motivational speaker. Like, uh, like what what's what's different about teaching and preaching um, through the Book of Acts? We'll say and telling high school kids not to do drugs maturity okay okay uh, there there uh, i mean and it really it really boils down to that 10,000 hours sort of rule uh, malcolm gladwell wrote about it in his book outliers and as preachers most of us it's going to take longer than 5 years which is a stand a standard work week is 40 hours if you work all year long, 52 weeks, you're going to get 2,080 hours. As pastors and, 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 and Bible teachers, we all study four to 16 to some of us 30 hours a week for our messages. And so we're, we're putting all this study in, but the actual act of preaching is maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes. If, if you're a Charles Spurgeon type three hours on, on a Sunday or a Wednesday night. And so we don't get that opportunity to spend that, invest that time in the practice of our craft. Hmm. And so for me, it's, it's taking that extra time and taking those extra steps so that I can practice my craft as I've grown and, and really hone in on those little things that I'm doing, whether it's the movement of my hands or my pacing or how I'm standing behind a pulpit and, and, and giving those gifts that God has given to me and using them to the fullest. And it, it really in in that maturity, it's being willing to say, okay, take a look at this message and and you as a person, tell me what you think. My wife is the most amazing evaluator that I have because she'll tell me if I stink. That was really bad. How much mm-hmm. time did you spend studying? Or mm-hmm. your hands were all over tonight. You know, I I, I had a um, a message that I gave a few months ago at a, at another young adults ministry. And she told me afterwards, she's like, I love the fact that you were holding a microphone in your hands because it kept them a little quieter, if you will. They weren't moving around as much. So, you know, that having those evaluations uh, helped me to become a lot more mature in my speaking. Okay. And on the topic of evaluation, I know that you, you see importance of it and you've, you've mentioned how your wife is, is good at listening, commenting, giving feedback. You mentioned earlier in this conversation that a friend of yours asked you to evaluate his his preaching. Um, how can a preacher, like what if a preacher isn't married or has no friends? How, like, is it possible for a, a preacher to evaluate our own messages ourselves? It is absolutely possible. And that starts with just recording it. Um, you know, it's it's a lot harder to do if you're having more of a discussion-based group. Yeah. But um, having even somebody in that group that you trust, or you know, a, 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 a fellow leader of the group, or if if it's you know, if if somebody is getting up and they're they're preaching at a youth group or you know something of that nature, having a youth pastor, or, or um, you'd post it in in the 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 Facebook group about mentors and mentorship, having somebody who can who's willing to sit down with you and to mentor mentor you and to say, hey, 
you know, you might want to try this. I, I heard it actually said at my, my regular everyday job yesterday, a compliment sandwich. So you give a positive feedback, then you give it a negative feedback, and then you give a positive feedback again. So you did this really, really well. And I yeah. thought that that was a really good thing. And then, hey, you might want to try and work on this. This is yeah. something that, you know, let's try and do that. And then I really like that you did this. So I, when I evaluate other, other, other preachers, I have a form that I use and I'm still kind of toying with it and playing with it. But as a form, it allows me to go through. And this is, this is stuff that you did really well. And I can list those things out. And then in, in that, in that midst of the the form, I'll also talk about their connector words and what they did. And then I'll talk about some of the, the things that maybe not that are negative, but they might want to try and work on, Hey, try and work on this next time. And then I'm going to go and reevaluate their sermon the next time that they preach and say, yeah, I really like this. You did, you actually, I noticed that you were, if you will, touching your wedding ring less, or you weren't using your hands as much and your hands became this tool that you use to make your point or whatever it might be. So having that evaluation form and using that compliment sandwich really helps. And it helps to, to grow and getting that mentor who's willing to sit down and do that with them. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. And if you're watching, let's say a video of yourself, What's to keep it from, I guess, going on, I guess I'm thinking of like two different errors we can fall into. On the one hand, just like, just like staring at the video of yourself being like, you idiot, how could you, you know, or, <laughs> or then on the other end being like, man, wow, this is something, you know, here's the next spurt. Like, so how can we have like a narcissistic, like adulation of ourselves or just like, I got nothing wrong to say here at all. And then the other end, which maybe most of us fall into, which is like being right. very, very critical of ourselves to the point of of discouragement. It, it can be, we are, are our own best critic. And it is really easy to fall into that route. And that's where I think, watch the video of yourself. You're going to pick out every little thing that you did wrong. One of the things that I, I don't like about myself is the way that my voice sounds on video. Mm-hmm. and it's easy to pick that, but that's not something I can change. God gave me this voice. And so this is the voice that I'm going to use and God's going to use it. And then I can pick out all my little things that I do wrong. When I, I a few, like I said, that a few months ago, that message was recorded. I was able to watch it. I noticed all these little things that I did and yeah. it's realistically being able to be okay. Also with who God made me to be. God made me this way. We can get super technical, but then we just become robots. And I don't ever want anybody, if I'm evaluating them, don't lose the personality that God gave you. You know, Mike, you're a really unique person in how you preach because that's who God made you to be. Your name's Mike Neglia, not Nick Harvey. You're not Connor Barry. You're not Brian Broderson or Tim Chaddock. Um, Although I'm sure, you know, Tim wishes he might've been you, but, you know, cause he can't join the Wordle group or don't, doesn't want to, but <laughs> he has this. Yeah, he, that's it. He, but it's Tim is Tim and Tim is perfect for what God has created him to be. Just the same thing with Brian, just as I, and I love this and sort of in light of even Jesus revolution coming out within this last year, right? Like pastor Chuck was so unique and in, in the gifts that God had given him, there's no way that like, if you look at it from 10,000 feet, there's no way that in the starting of Calvary Chapel, that what pastor, what God used Pastor Chuck to do should have ever happened. It would have been more in the Lonnie Frisbee route, but it wasn't. God utilized the both of them. And then God used Pastor Chuck to create a movement. And, and ultimately it's, it's, it's for his glory that we, that we do all this. And that's where God is going to use us 
in spite of ourselves. And so to not be too critical of ourselves, the narcissistic side, I would just give a word of caution of go ahead. Yeah. You had a great sermon, but you're going to be humbled. Be, be careful, be careful. Okay. Well, yeah. On that note of warning, <laughs> you're promising, <laughs> promising that narcissists will fall. Well, I mean, the Bible does too, as well. Pride comes right. before the fall um, right? and a haughty heart before destruction. Uh, okay. Maybe, maybe last question, just kind of more simple and, and more direct. So, so Nick, how are you trying to improve? I guess I, I've heard you mention more than once your, your hand gestures. So mm-hmm. putting that aside, <laughs> what's, what's the other thing? Let's go a little bit deeper. How are you trying to improve as a, as a teacher of God's word? As a teacher of God's word, it's realistically finding balance in my everyday life and to make sure that I'm investing the time in my my study so that in my proclamation of God's word that I am solely and wholly prepared to give the gospel, whether I'm preaching through the book of Acts or it's in Genesis or it's in Revelation, I, I need to be completely prepared. And so having that balance, whether it means that I have to get up at four or five o'clock in the morning to make sure that I take that extra hour sitting down at my lunch and maybe not going and talking with my buddies while I'm at work as I'm preparing, taking that hour after work. And so that I'm investing enough time and being completely ready and also having grace for myself as well, that when I fail at that, know that the Holy Spirit is still going to use me in spite of myself. The technical side is 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 a wonderful thing, but I don't ever want to forget the Holy Spirit and making the Holy Spirit my sole pedestal that I rest on as I get ready to go out and proclaim God's word. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, well amen. And you know what? Um, I know that whenever we have uh, bivocational or co-vocational preachers on, I know that people really appreciate it. And I guess just due to the the nature of the podcast or with Expositors Collective, um, there are a lot of, you know, full-time pastors or professors or or commentary writers that we have on here. Um, but uh, yeah, you want to maybe just like tell us about your your context and your 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 both of your vocations. And because you've given some great advice there about waking up early, using that lunch break. Um, like, yeah, explain us a little bit more about that. Encourage the the bivocational guys and girls that are listening to this. Absolutely. So I work in the manufacturing industry. I'm I'm a, a supervisor of a weld shop. And so I'm having my hours run seven to three 30. And so I have to find those little moments sort of throughout the day. You know, we, we take two 10 minute breaks and a 30 minute break. So I have 40 minutes that I can spend right there in God's word. And, and I'm actually, as I'm saying this, I'm kind of being convicted. I don't need to spend my lunch scrolling through, you know, videos on YouTube or TikTok and kind of just enjoying my food. But I have that ability to read my Bible, dive into the word, read it over and over, and then start going, breaking it down as I'm preparing for my message. If I have to get up early, a little bit early and, and make sure that not, not only am I preparing for my message, but I'm also taking my personal devotional time as well and setting those times aside. And then that way, when I get home from work, I'm available for my, my, my wife and my daughter. And, and, and then if I have to stay up a little later, it, it, it is, it is a, a vast challenge, but I was encouraged. You had Cody King on yeah. and his, when, before he was full-time in, in, in vocational ministry, you know, being able to, that encouraged me because it's like, oh, I'm in my car all the time. I can listen. I can listen to the scriptures. I can listen to them so that I'm able to do that and find those little tools, um, you know, for people that are bivocational, it is, 
it is extremely hard. And, but yet we also have to trust the empowering of the Holy Spirit to give us the message as we need it. I tend to be a little bit of a procrastinator, but part of that comes from, I don't have eight hours a day that I can set block yeah. out four hours at a time before yeah. counseling appointments and things of that nature to be able to do that. And it's even, it is even within that balance. So, you know, my wife and I also serve in in our church's youth group. And so I wasn't a part of the youth group last night just because I was counseling one of our young adults. And so being able to spend that time and, and it's like, Hey, I might have to miss out on this fun thing because I need to take that time to study. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. I wanted to, yeah, really put a pin in that and, and come back because I, I do know that for, yeah, our bivocational brothers and sisters, um, just that acknowledgement, that encouragement, it, it means a lot to them and it's, it spurs all of us, all of us on. So, well, Nick, Hey, thanks so much. I know you got, you got the weld shop to go to, uh, in a yeah. couple of hours, and then you're using, uh, the time between now and then to work on your message for tonight. So thanks for waking up an hour before that to talk to us. We've really benefited from it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. It's it's uh, it's a pleasure to be able to be here. I hope that others are encouraged as well. I guarantee it. Yeah, once again, hey, Nick, thanks so much for giving of your time, uh, sharing from your experiences, uh, both, yeah, sacred and secular. Um, really appreciate it. We we benefit uh, so much from, from you. Uh, thank you. Well, if you're listening all the way to the end, uh, I want to say to you that our next in-person training event is, is coming up. We had such a good time in Southern California um, earlier in August. And in October 27th and 28th, we're going to be in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, we're going to have Justin Thornton as one of our speakers, Tim Chaddock, Nick Cady, uh, these are some names that maybe you've uh, you've heard on the podcast uh, before, but also Tim's brother Mike Chaddock is coming, and he's going to be doing our inductive Bible study um, module, and that's going to be a real blessing. So, if you're in the Indiana region, or if you know somebody who is, uh, go to expositorscollective.com. On the front page, there'll be the registration details. Early bird discount is available now at the time of this recording, but it won't be forever. Uh, buddy, I want you to save money. So I want you to sign up for the Indianapolis Expositors Collective training event right now. All right, Lord willing, I will see you there. Next week on the show, it's Tony Clark giving a message about the gospel is evident from cover to cover. And he is a great speaker. I love listening and learning from him. Make sure you're subscribed so that automatically shows up in your app next Tuesday morning. All right. I hope that this episode and all that we do at Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. This podcast is a part of CGN Media, a podcast network that points to Christ. We are supported by listeners like you. To help us create more great shows, visit cgnmedia.org support.